Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We're back. We've been allowed to do another show. Thank you for all the nice feedback on the first episode. And remember to hit that like button, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. But on with today's show. We'll be discussing all the very latest post that Monday Hareth test, Honda's tough start to the year, more and more arm pump issues being raised, and we look forward to all things Le Mans this weekend, plus a whole lot more in between. Keith and Pete alongside me as ever. Um, and Keith, I thought we'd probably start with, I mean, we touched on it obviously last week while it was happening with uh, with testing and some of the fallout from that as well on that Monday Hareth test. Um, And I want to start with Honda, who admitted themselves that they're generally a bit up against it so far this year. And the feedback from all of their riders varies. And Mark Marquez has had a decent run out in Jerez. He's beginning to understand not only his health a bit more, but also how the bike rides. Uh, But Paul Espargaro, on the other hand, absolutely livid with the fact that Honda are working on so many different uh, types of setup. It's not helping them at all. And it seems like the only one who's actually understanding anything is Takanakagami. Well, I think uh, Polish Bargrove, if he had something to moan about before, he's going to have even more to moan about now because the amount of stuff they were testing in a ref, there was such a raft of stuff to be getting stuck into. Um, even right back to Alex Marquez trying aero from 2018, of all things. I mean, it was a situation where Honda came with some something like five-odd packages with different air intakes and so on. And, and, and of course, the Honda as well, they're looking towards developing for 2022. The problem is it's not just about 2021. It was all frozen really last year. 2020 bikes, um, they couldn't do very much for the for the current uh, race season. It's all about 2022 now. We've heard it before in, in so many ways. It splits the strategy somewhat. And that's probably why, you know, the likes of poor old Polis Bargro are, are feeling the pain now, but may have the gain in 2022 with a bit of luck. Yeah, well, exactly. But what w- what is it, do you think, Pete, that Honda are... Gen- is it just generally the fact that they just haven't got their head around this bike this year? Or is it is it something to do... The fact that only Takenakagami seems to be understanding this. And Mark Marquez, even though he's got that injury, obviously he pulled out of testing as well with that with that um, pain in his neck. That's going to have a bit of a, a adverse effect going forward in him understanding the bike, surely, if they've, if they've made any progress at that test. That, that's right, Harry. I mean, you, you would think the test would have been a golden chance for Mark Marquez to get some time on the bike, you know, potentially eight hours to really catch, having missed all of the testing, to really, you know, get to work on finding a setup and, as you say, there's two different chassis. There's last year's chassis out there with the LCR team, Repsol guys on the newer one, and Stefan Bradl. You've got then them trying all these different fairings. But Honda were caught out a bit with fairings at the start of last year where they they, they tried a, a fairing that sort of 
led them astray a bit in winter testing and they went back to the 2019. So maybe that's, that's also making them a little bit extra cautious about the aerodynamics. Um, but it certainly shows that the pieces of the 2021 bike, if you like, are, are still not all, in, not all in place. And they're trying a lot of different things. I think Honda have admitted that they need, to, they need to work on the bike. They need to bring some new developments because we saw with the front end accidents for, for Mark and for Paul at Jerez that uh, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of work to do. And of course, one of the problems are is that it's a the old goalposts keep moving, don't they? One way or the other, Michelin bringing out something a little bit new this year will make a massive difference. Um, the, the fact that the new it's a bit like my wardrobe, really. When I go in my wardrobe, I look at it and think, you know, is there enough time gone past that that's back in fashion? You know, it's kind of one of those <laughs> things. Are we on flares this yet? Just yet? Let me think. And of course, it's the same with Honda. I mean, I, I was amazed to hear that, that they were actually trying some of the aero from 2018 just to see if that... And the other thing, of course, in, in any kind of development situation, you, you, you change one tiny incremental thing and there's five, 10, 20 other things that need to work in sync with that. So, you know, a one or two day test, you really can't do anything like as much as, as you might think back at home. If you were... Yeah, well, oh, they've got a new fairing on there to try. Yeah, but that might put so many other things out of line. You need to work then around that. And then you might make a change to something else and have to go back to another setting with the fairing, with the other. Honestly, testing is, I hated it when I was involved in motorcycle racing. And it takes a special kind of animal. You know, your Sylvain Gintolis of the world. Now you're Danny Pedrosa's da, 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 da. You know, going round and round in circles, trying to give, the, the text that data oh, it, it is i was gonna say a thankless task of course it's not because somebody benefits from it in the end but i can't help but think at the moment pete that they're, that they're really working towards 2022 i mean the new you know new chassis got no carbon on it to start with you know they've, they've lost the carbon inserts and stuff like that, that, that that's been spotted on their their new one um and that freeze that they've had in development, we might have had a freeze because of COVID. Um, you know, last year's bike is what we started this year with, the 2020 machine, uh, motor-wise. But you know the factory has been turning over ideas. And you know the factory has been working on stuff that will all of a sudden hit the scene in 20... Uh, the test schedules at the end of this year and the beginning of the 2022 are going to be spectacular. That's right, Keith. And as you say, the, the trouble is we don't know exactly what the testing schedule is going to be for 2022. We don't know what the end of this season is going to be like calendar-wise yet. So you can understand why Suzuki were trying their 2022 engine again as well, weren't they? And you can understand why they're just sort of hedging their bets a bit in case, you know, how many tests will we get this winter? They don't, they don't know yet. So you can see that as you say, we've had this freeze, the freeze is going to end. There's going to be all of these parts that have been in the pipe pipeline all being released at once, let's say. And you know, the riders and the teams are certainly going to have their hands full to work through them. We've got to bear in mind as well, Harry, sorry, I know you were ready to fire another one down the tube then from Please Earth, be but, my guest. <laughs> the, the, the fact is, is this is a real opportunity for the likes of KTM and moreover for Aprilia to catch up. I mean, Aprilia have got nine engines compared to the seven you're allowed. Uh, normally, and they're allowed to develop those. They're allowed to change those nine engines uh, to to whatever they want during the course of this period because they're still on concessions. If you look at KTM, they lost a lot of concessions but were able to start 2021 with an upgraded motor because of the way the concession system works. So it meant that Aprilia still have all their concessions that they need. Nine motors for the year can change them if they want. KTM were able to do whatever they did in 2020 and then bring 
a new motor for homologation for 2021 because that's how it works in the, it's slightly complicated but ktm have got a new motor for this year as well um so it's only really what yamaha suzuki honda ducati who were frozen frozen as far as engine development was concerned um mind you having said that pedrosa uh aragon was it was testing last week in aragon and he got blown off by johnny ray Well, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll clip that up at the end. Um, well, I, actually, that's a nice segue that I want to go into because KTM, speaking of that, if they've got that room to improve over the others, I suppose, then if we look at Brad Binder, he's had a really solid start actually over the course. Well, if you take Hareth out of it, where he had the, the two crashes in the same on the in the same race, he's got an eighth and fifth to his name so far. But they seem to struggle a bit when with the, with that soft compound front tire. But they seem to have made a bit of a, a breakthrough that, uh, thanks to that Monday Hareth test, Keith. Yeah, I think that we touched on it in our first um, session of conversations together. Really, the, the, it's so incremental. It's so. Mm. my new every little thing they do now it's funny since we, we last spoke last week i actually started to do some proper homework here and had a little bit of a look through to just to see where we were on on race times and stuff like that it, it you can only really speculate on 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 how much people have made progress because of the change of track temperature humidity and all the other things that are elements again that, that make that little tiny difference to to teams and the way that setup is but um, there are some interesting things. I mean, we'll talk about Valentino and Rossi, I'm fairly sure, uh, in a while. You know, he's going faster than he ever did at uh, over a race distance at, at Jerez, um, despite the fact he finished where he finished last time out and has been absolutely castigated for it with all the, the, the Rossi haters have come out from under their rocks to give him a hard time. And yet, in actual fact, he was half a second a lap faster than he was in 2019. I know last year wasn't a great example because obviously he broke down last year. We had Valve Gate last year, didn't we? We had the um, Yamaha's um, coming to the coming to the front of things with a with a, a non homologated valve situation that they had to get over. Anyway, that's another story altogether. We can do that. <laughs> well, no, Tom, let's, let's go on. on. <laughs> let's go on to Valentino Rossi then though because as you said testing saw some improved pace from him. The race was again another one to forget. Um and Jorge, Jorge Lorenzo said slow and imprecise that's how he labeled him um it it is just testing so can we actually read those numbers as accurate pete well, first of all i want to know if that quote is accurate because that's horrendous slow and imprecise it's a pretty like damning damning comment isn't it he was a five times world champion you know lorenzo mm. <laughs> so he, so he can get away with it, really, isn't it? Because he, he, <laughs> he, he can't wait to say that or um, underline that particular situation. <laughs> I, I have no understanding of why anybody would want to say that about anybody, let alone, you know, it almost feels like a, a backhander, an unnecessary backhander from Lorenzo. Yeah, Rossi is struggling, there's no doubt about it, but does it deserve slow and inaccurate? You know, maybe he spotted something that I haven't spotted, but. He will be struggling, of course, Rossi, if we get back to the situation of why he's in the position he's in at the moment. Because, again, I mentioned it last time, old dog, new tricks, new Michelins don't suit him. We've seen it before where he's had to take time to, to get that kind of data in his head that he needs to work with a new construction of tyre, a new type of tyre. And I think that's what we're seeing from Rossi. I haven't written him off yet. Um, it is pretty bad at the moment, though, I've got to say for him. 
No, and, and Pete, it's not like he's oblivious to it either. He's saying, look, I can't exit corners quick enough at the moment. It feels like I'm always in a sort of delay. That's right, Harry. Yes. I mean, I mean it's, it's all, as you've been saying, the definition of slow is, is half a second a lap now. You know, this is, if you look at Morbidelli was on the podium in Jerez, his teammate, Rossi was 0.8 of a second a lap on average slower than him. You know, th- these are the margins that we're talking about here. So, you know, Rossi's having this problem in feeling comfortable. When, when, when you've got things so tight, MotoGP is always a lot about the rider, as we all know. So, you know, getting the rider to, to that feeling that they need, that feedback from the bike, that's what, that's what Rossi's looking for. He clearly, you know, Lorenzo says he's imprecise, but I mean, maybe it's just a reflection that Rossi's not comfortable on the bike yet. And we can see that he's not, you know, he's not doing what he wants to be doing with the bike. And, it, and it's just amazing to me that, we, you know, the career of maybe the most famous rider in motorcycling history could be decided by this margin of, you know, say half a second a lap. I mean, that would put him in the top six. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. And that might decide whether certainly if he stays at Petronas next year or not. I mean, he's got this, this kind of joker card of his own team now. So it doesn't mean that he won't race next year, you know. But that could be the margins that we're looking at here. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what MotoGP is. It's just so close now. I think the writing's on the wall, Peter, when it comes to Rossi. I think that this year almost certainly, surely, will be his last. Um, this is going to take some recovering from. Uh, his, his focus, I believe, will change as the year moves on. We'll see. I mean, Le Mans, Le Mans's going to be wet, of course. It's going to be horrible in Le Mans this coming weekend. So at the end of the day, um, and it hasn't going to have anything like the atmosphere because there's nobody going to be there, which is a shame. We're not going to have that smell of burning bodies and bric-a-brac and God knows what else you get at Le Mans every year. I mean, it's, it's like going back to the 1970s every time you get through that tunnel in Le Mans. It's horrendous place for most people, but um, it is a unique event and a unique venue. And I think Rossi in the wet round there, if it is wet, you know, this could be a weekend that he could pull something back out of the bag. We'll wait and see. I mean, like, I can't imagine. It's bad enough at my level. You know, all riders have, you know, you, it's why I get slightly spiky over the luck situation, Harry, last time out. <laughs> remember, I, um, I, I, I figured like, that out the hard way. <laughs> every, every rider that's on that grid is absolutely dedicated to their art. There's no slack asses at all. They're all bang on it they're trying their artists they're trying their fittest they're, they're, they're the fittest they've ever been that you know there's there's no luck involved in it those guys are cutthroat sharp as it is at the minute and i know that valentino will be the same and i also know that what happens in your career when you get to that point where you start to doubt yourself it sneaks in and it takes a real takes a real effort to get that back out of the way again and when you're 42 years old multi-millionaire mega global superstar icon um it must be hard to to sort of regain that focus to get that focus back to the point you need to get it back to to beat these kids that are literally like peter has said fractionally fractionally faster than you at this moment in time it's it's a he is really got if he manages to recover from this you know anybody that says he ain't the goat then um this this will disprove that uh particular doubt it will be a fantastic recovery if he manages to come back from where he is at the minute in my view playing devil's advocate here if um if rossi continues to show this poor form and then bows out at the end of the year does that 
does it undermine slightly everything he's achieved? Never. 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 We'll just we'll just forget this year. It's. I mean, I think he's got enough uh, credibility in the bank to overcome a bad year. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a shame it came. It's a shame it might have come at the end of his career. Uh, but it it does. It does. I mean, when is the time to step off? You know, the the idea. You know, Johnny Ray. Johnny Ray. When I mentioned him a minute ago when I was you know talking about how fast he's been going in the Aragon test when they mixed um, the test MotoGP bikes with the superbikes and Johnny Jonathan Ray. Jonathan. His dad's Johnny. Jonathan was um, the fastest man out there. Of course, it's quite amusing because he will have been on completely different tyres. Who knows what they were chucking in the KTM and all the rest of it. But the headline is, of course, that Jonathan Ray was the fastest. Um, but the point being is, is at the end of a year, when is the time to step off? I mentioned Jonathan Ray because he's right at the very, very top now. He's going to be going at it again next year. But if he has a, a mediocre year, does he give up at the end of that year? No, of course, he'll probably go on another year. But that might slip a bit further yet. We don't know. It's It's... You know, stepping off when you're right at the very top is very, very difficult to do. Off the, stepping off the roundabout, I mean. Mm. Well, look, someone who uh, will be hoping to come back fighting uh, this weekend is Fabio Quartararo. And since we last spoke, he has had the successful arm pump surgery um but it's actually fueled quite a big discussion again i know we did talk about it last uh, last week as well around the issues around arm pump but a, a lot of people saying you know this has been a predominant issue in, in moto gp and in, and in bike motorcycle racing since forever almost people just didn't know as you said keith didn't know what it was back then um but the questions being asked and also alicia spargo now also undergoing surgery but that won't be till after le mans um are we reaching the limits of the human body and what it's capable of on these MotoGP bikes? Hmm. It's a very, very good question and almost one impossible to answer, isn't it? I mean, I, mm. I would, my natural feeling is no. Um, you know, come on if you're hard enough. It's a, it's a situation where um, a MotoGP bike is a unique animal. They're pulling more G now than they were before. What's the answer to that? Do you give them less grip? Do you give them less brakes? You know, it's very difficult to give them less horsepower, I suppose you could do. But at the end of the day, you're still going to be braking just as hard. You're just going to brake later if you've got mm -hmm. less horsepower. It's a situation where the, it's G-forces that are causing this particular situation. Um, and obviously, the change of direction where you're having to counter-steer as much as you have to nowadays to pull the things through the corners quite as fast as you do. There's a lot of effort going on in there. Um, personally, I think they'll work their way through it. Um, I think that there is a, a, a situation with Quattararo where he'd had some work done already. Um, I've never seen arm pump affect somebody quite as much as he was affected in Hereth, where he's gone backwards at that rate of knots. That must have been a pretty severe um, case of arm pump. You must, you know, you you get tingly fingers, you start to lose lose your feel in your hand, you lose you lose strength as well to be able to grip and pull and break and all the things you need to do. So. Even though he didn't look like, when you were looking at it, we were all scrutinising it, weren't we? Trying to work out why he was going backwards through the field at the rate he was. But but then afterwards, when you hear what he had to say about it, you understood why a little bit more. What? What? I mean, technically, Peter, what? What would? How would they be able to manage that? Because it's down to G-force. If you're going to rush into a corner and have to change direction and trail break into the corner, but incidentally, we ought to talk about trail breaking in a minute as well, Harry, because everybody keeps asking. Every time you get, what is trail breaking, they all say. Um, and the easiest way, I suppose, to describe it very quickly is that, that you're trailing off your brake as you come into the, you're on the brake as hard as you can be. But as you lean in and 
and get more lean angle. You're coming off the brake, off the brake, off the brake, off the brake. You're using every single piece of grip as you turn into the corner. If you do where you're braking in a straight line and just roll into the corner, that's a road rider. You're not maximizing. Graham Crosby always said to me, he said, only two things you've got to be on the brake or off it, on the throttle. Off the, on the brake or on the throttle. That bit in the middle is just a waste of time. Don't you, that bit in the middle, you don't want to be using that bit in the middle. Um, so the whole idea is you trail off the brake as you get into the corner with more corner, uh, as, you, as you lean into the turn, and obviously the grip becomes less. You've got to come off the brake a little bit more. And that's what trail braking is. Um, but the, because the tyres are so good, I mean, you would have thought you'd have seen more um, problems with, with arm pump with the Bridgestones. Because them things, you know, just stuck. You know, you put the brake on as hard as you can, it'll lend in with the thing. They were amazing at the front end. You would have thought that. So I, I, I think probably we've moved on, haven't we? Bridgestones, Michelins, probably they're all good into a corner nowadays. That's right, Keith. I mean, we have seen on the Suzuki, uh, you might have a good insight into this, but they've got that padding for the knees where the riders can sort of brace themselves a little bit more under the brakes to kind of try and take some of that weight off the arms, maybe to help with that kind of issue. But uh, as you say, we, we always see every year riders have arm pump surgery. There's always usually rookies, usually riders that are just stepping up to bigger bikes. So they've got that kind of shock of the, the weight of the MotoGP bike, the power. Um, Luca Marini was quite interesting. He was saying that it can be something as simple as a mechanic just putting the brake lever one one or two millimeters in a different position you know and he said that can just be enough to to give him arm pump or or tight leathers on the arms just it's 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 a it's a strange thing isn't it it's it, it, it's so dramatic when it when it hits a rider badly as we saw with Quattararo and yet it can almost be it's almost like a superstition for some riders that you know or, or I'm not doing that because I'll get arm pump or I won't do that because I'll get arm pump um it, it's some riders get it, do some riders don't. Do you think they might be working just a bit too hard? There's too many Grand Prix. There's no there's no respite between meetings and the like. Perhaps it's that your body doesn't have time to recover from the injuries it has and from the, the muscular uh, stresses and strains that's, that's put through it perhaps as well. It could certainly be. I mean, when you've got, as we saw, even Mark Marquez is, you know, he's been out for a while and he's clearly having quite a shock, not, not, not just in terms of the pain of the injury, because we know Mark, he can ride through pain, but it's actually the strength. It's, that's what's holding him back now, isn't it? And I think that's maybe come as a bit of a surprise that still having done two races, he, he couldn't even do a test day just from the strength side of things. And that, as you say, underlines the physical, you know, challenge of just riding with these bikes. Well, I'm sure it's not the uh, the last time we'll be talking about this uh, for certain, especially if uh, Alessio Spargo will be having the surgery as well after uh, Le Mans. We'll see how he gets on this weekend, uh, see if he any, has any issues. But I want to move on now to talk about our reigning champion, if I uh, may be so bold, uh, and Joanne Mir, who we haven't actually spoken about a lot, actually, to begin with this season. Although, you know, he I, I saw the stat the other day, so I'm going to chuck a stat at you. The first world champion to begin his title defence season without a podium since Nicky Hayden in 2007. But I suppose in Mir's defence, he was sort of mugged at the line uh, at, this, at the start of the year. Um, so, Keith, let's talk about him. What, how, how have you rated his season so far? Because actually, he's 38 points better off than he was this time last year. First bloke you look at is your teammate. Have a little nose across at Alex Riddens. That ain't exactly working out so well, is it, at the moment? No, um, no. You know, again, it comes back, I think, again, to development freezes and the like. It's who has 
made those incremental changes over the winter that you can make legally without there being a problem. They're running the same motors as they ran last year, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So there will have been changes that the other manufacturers have made. Look at Ducati. They seem to have improved immensely um, with what they're doing. Um, again, Mia, if you look at last year, started off really, really gentle and still won that world championship. Um, I think that, that there are just... You know, the lack of testing and the like as well has an effect. It, you know, if Michelin bringing in new tyres, it has an effect. You know, where you are mental state-wise, all of these things are factors that, that are going to make a massive difference to your year. I mean, Mir at the moment, he's a clever bloke. At the end of the day, he's, he's, he's young and smart. Um, Suzuki is a good team. Maybe Louvin, you know, Brivio went across to, to Formula One. You know, he's like, they've lost a major factor within that team. Um and again, it's all about tiny pieces. And it's not just about the bits of bolt to the bike. It's about the blokes that are bolting the bits on the bike that makes a difference. And, and I think that that's, you don't know what effect the loss of Brivio has had at this point. Um, no one much is going to tell you, that's for certain. Um, but there will be a dynamic that may have just slightly changed within the team that may just slightly affect the way that Joe Amir is looking at it at the moment. He'll get over it and he'll work it all out as, they, as all of the men around him will. But these tiny changes do make a difference, and I don't think I don't think we need to write him off yet. He's up one to fourth now, isn't he? Uh, yeah. So he's you know fourth place. If you compare it with last year, he's uh, nicely placed for a retention. Well, that's the thing. He's doing much better at, technically, if you look at it, Pete, uh, in terms of point standings. Uh, but do you think uh, he he will be able to? Because he he's struggling. Uh, he said to to pass compared to the past. Um, I'll say that again. He's struggling to pass <laughs> <laughs> pass riders. Get my words out with overheating issues, especially with the front tyres. Again, it comes back to this talk of tyres as well. But um, is it is it those little nuts and bolts in the background that we don't see feeding back into that coming on on track action where he's not able to maybe be a bit higher up uh, when he finishes? Since the start of last year, he, he's had to overcome all the Suzuki riders, a bit like the Yamahas as well, the bad qualifying, you know, but especially Suzuki, and they've had to fight their way through. Mm. It, it seemed like last year, obviously, he did an incredible job of that. But this year, as you say, he seems to be limited in his fight back in the, the front tyres again, the, the different front tyres, and he couldn't overtake, as you say. The, the, you're in the group, you're not getting the cool air on the tyres, it's building up the pressure in the tyres, and it just the bike starts handling differently. So it seems like that could be an issue. You have to say, if you were Joanne Mir going into this year as the reigning champion, you, you would have expected more than one podium from the first four races, I think. I think that's fair to say, but it's a difference between also, I think, maybe the philosophy of some of the factories in terms of development. Suzuki are very, you know, if they bring something, they're 99% they're certain it's going to be, you know, a, a, an incremental improvement and it's not going to ruin anything else. And, you know, and they're really careful with that bike of just carefully, you know, doing a notch up a little bit at a time compared to, as you say, Honda bringing a lot of parts, much more aggressive. You'd probably say Ducati as well. They're much more aggressive on the on the development side of, of taking risks. And I think it was Rossi who used to say that's why some factories come on strong in the second half of the season, because they finally put everything together. You know, at the start of the year, the, the bikes are still, they're trying different things. They're not quite, they don't quite understand them as well. And they, but then once they get them working, once they understand all these new parts and they maybe have some more coming along from the information that they've learned at the start of the year. That's where they can really take off later in the year. So I think the Suzuki hasn't changed much. They did try a, a new chassis, but I think both riders went back to the 2020 for the start of this year. So it, so the bike is, is 
pretty much the same. It's obviously a very good bike, a very good all-round package. Um, but it's, it seems that it's still got that difficulty of last year, the, the qualifying. And that's so far making, making really hard work for Mia, you know, having to fight through. Well, there's thousands of a second involved in every single place and they're down on the third and fourth rows. Um, not a great place to have to start from, that's for sure. There's a lot of, and you can get caught up in other people's accidents. You know, that first couple of corners is, how many times have we seen um, big names tripped up in that first couple of turns? It's so easy to do. Well, uh, we'll certainly be watching out for that this weekend because now let's move on and look forward to uh, this weekend proper. Le Mans, um, Keith, you think it's going to be wet? Uh, is Courtois going to be right back on it? Well, it's the scene of his maiden victory, isn't it? So to start mm. with, his head's in the right place. Um, you know, you always go to a racetrack. Le Mans is a really odd place. It chucks up odd results quite often. It's a, it's a situation where, you know, even, again, back in the day I, I remember it well from the fact is that you could you could come up with something a bit unusual at uh, limon add a bit of weather to it as well and we might be in for a bit of an upset or two here i mean zarco he should have won there ages ago and didn't um quattararo mm. picked up the pace picked up the places jake dixon should have had his first ever moto two win there um you know it's it's a it's a strange place that can catch you out that last mickey mouse couple of corners that bring you onto the front straight you know, the, the, some of the disasters we've seen happen there on uh, late laps. I mean, even, you know, Rossi messing up the last lap where he slipped off right at the end of the race. Um, it, it It's one of those weird racetracks that chucks up the anomalies in the season. Um, but Ducati should go good there. They're coming off of a really, really surprising result at Jerez. I would think they're pretty well buoyed. Quattararo, you know, again, like in a ref, we would have expected him to win. Um, at home, he will be trying to win even more. But I can't emphasize, I, I took the mickey a bit out of you last time, Harry, when I said, have you ever scratched yourself? Well, you know, digging into your arm <laughs> and having a good old mess around with the soft tissue and then putting your leathers on. And he's still going to be pulling the same amount of G as he always is, only this time with a, with a stitched up arm. Um it's, it's a fairly major situation that he's got to get over. Now, if it's wet, um, he's down, it's, it takes some of the pressure off because obviously you're not right riding the thing as hard. You're not pulling anything like as much G. You're still going to be leaking. You're still going to have bits of your skin sticking to the inside of your leathers. So every time that they move, it sort of pulls the scabs off and so on and so forth. And anybody who's crashed motorbikes will know exactly what I'm talking about because even when they're dry to start with, as soon as you start to sweat, all your repaired materials get stuck in the material that you've, you've got on the outside and it's uh, it's not a great feeling i can tell you that for nothing i wouldn't recommend it to anybody that's for sure that it still amazes me how these guys have these operations and have these repairs done and, and just manage to come straight back at it. it over the years there have been some brave people that do it now it seems the norm for for just about everybody to be able to come back from what you would consider in the olden days to be a bloody fairly major operation so I think Quattararo, Quattararo should be well-placed, but I think we're going to start looking at Ducatis this weekend. Well, yes, that's what I wanted to move on to. And actually, sorry if you're having your, your shreddies right now and you're thinking about scabs and being uh, things being peeled off. Shreddies. Off skin. That's a perfect <laughs> way of thinking. Shreddies, the consistency of a shreddy. Okay. You know, soggy shreddy. Oh, <laughs> delightful. 
Mm, right. Well, I won't be having shreddies for a while. Um, <laughs> so last year, 2020, uh, Ducati Petrucci, he won it. So Ducati have got good history here as well. And obviously they're off the back of Miller and Bagnaia doing very well in Jerez. And they've got this now consistency, Pete, of being up there. And do you think they can now convert that into winning consistently? I think they can. I think it's it's all there on paper. Miller goes very well at, at Le Mans. He's, uh, you know, he was in the in the fight last year and to the other technical problem. And he's had some fourth places, I think, before that. Um, and, you know, we think, as Keith was saying, you think about Le Mans, you think of the fans partying all night and lying on the ground as you come in the next day. And you also think of rain. So it'll be a shock if we don't get a wet session. And I think it'll be interesting to see a wet session because we've, we've been talking about teams struggling with tyres and, and bike setups. And, you know, the rain, the wet weather is the great leveller. And it'll, you know, guys like Alex Marquez, Petrucci, Rossi, guys that, that maybe aren't completely happy with their bikes now, you know, it gives them a chance to just show what they can do. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, who who comes to the front in those sort of conditions. Um, you, and yeah, I you think... You should have claimed him, Peter. You didn't claim him. <laughs> you should have claimed the Miller straight away. I'm claiming him for the win. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't say it. You should have. Oh, yeah. The opportunity was there. I'll claim a Ducati, but I'll, I'll go for, you know, in, in the, the purposes of a new winner again, I'll go for Zarco. Because I think that oh. you know, he's, he's overdue a win. And I think it would be mm. great. You know, you saw how happy he was when they were 1-2 in, in Qatar. And it was Quattroaro winning. Zarco almost seemed happier because he knew what it meant for French motorsport. So I think it would be a great story if he did pull off a win. You know, his first MotoGP win, Pramac's first with Ducati. I think that would be a great story. Uh, but I think we could see also a Yamaha on the podium. I think we could also see a Suzuki. I, I think that, you know, we always used to think of Le Mans in the 500cc days as a Yamaha track, wasn't it, Keith? That was always the, the, they always used to sort of be the track where they could take on the Hondas a little bit better, wasn't it? I'll tell you what, that was the equivalent of Hewan throwing a wheel up the inside of Pete McLaren and then him immediately <laughs> passing me around the outside. Narco <laughs> call. That was a really good shout. I, I've got to say, he should have won it a few years ago, Zarko, around there. And uh, you're right, he's going to be absolutely the man to beat. But I, I kind of remember Jack Miller around there on a Moto3 bike, spectacular into those last couple of corners. One thing's for certain, it's going to be um, it's going to be a very interesting weekend. And I don't think that it's that easy to call. I really don't. It, you know, each bike has got you know a, a dynamic about it that, that works around there in different places. So it's going to be a bloody good weekend. I can't wait. You're not going for your man, Bagnaya? Not on, not there, no. No, no. no. Um, Bagnaya was my hereth bet, even though he leads the championship, but I didn't really predict that. It was more about winning a race, so I can't, <laughs> I can't really claim that, can I? <laughs> I'm just going to stick with Jack Miller. I think he's coming, he's off of, he's coming from a, he's on a roll, obviously, after hereth. The Ducati works well there. He works well around there, as you've said, Peter. Um, but the Zarco call, all I can say about that is you bastard. Because <laughs> I think you might try it. <laughs> well, uh, I've written those down, so we'll come back to that this time next week and see who was right. Maybe we'll get a little leaderboard going. Uh, what about you, Harry? <laughs> oh, uh, you know what? I'm I'm going to go for um, uh, powered by Shreddies. I think Quartararo. I think he's going to be he's going to be straight back up and on it. I think you know he's. I think he's he's going to dominate. Actually, I'm going to go so far as to say that. That's cool. the night. 
the naivety coming over there. We'll see what happens. Um, but look, well, it is all eyes on Le Mans this weekend. I'm sure we'll be in for another thriller, but we'll leave it there for this week, gents. Thank you for your company. MotoGP is back in action this weekend, of course, with all the usual timings for practice, qualifying, and the race on Sunday. And if you're in the UK as well, it's also available to watch free to air on ITV4. Uh, and then we'll be back on Tuesday to dissect it all. Hope to see you then. And in the meantime, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and stay up to date with all the very latest MotoGP news on Crash.net. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.